This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey, what's up, guys? This week, welcome back, uh, Evan Hopper from Quell. Evan has uh, recently rejoined us here on the soil of the United States of America. He's come back to his homeland. So how's it going, Evan? You doing well? Going all right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Before we get started, I just want to run down a couple things. I want to uh, welcome our brand new patron on Patreon, and that is one Dave Android. I'd like to thank him for joining the team. And for those of you who want to join Patreon, you can help the podcast out with as little as $1 a month. And that gets you three to four bonus episodes a month. And if you're doing the $5 patron, you will get early access to all episodes. So thanks, Dave. Thanks for joining the squad. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming down the line. Uh, we got a bunch of different sort of mini-series that we do on there, one of which is uh, Long Shadows, a weird fiction podcast that uh, Ralph and I do. And, um, yeah, we, I think we have, like, four episodes of that out. And there's a bunch of stuff like, um, you know, member-only musical things like demos, uh, past releases, like things like that. You know, just insights into what's going on with different bands I played in and tombs and all that sort of stuff. You were just on a, you were just on Jackie's podcast, so this is kind of relevant to you. Did you know that basically between our little cartel of podcasts, we have Monday through Friday covered. On Monday, we've got the Horror Wolf Six 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 podcast. On Tuesday, we have Into the Necrosphere, which is Jackie's podcast, our mutual friend. Wednesday, we have Everything Went Black. Thursday is Necromaniacs, my horror podcast. I do with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. And Friday is Break the Apocalypse, which Mike's brother, John Draper, I never figured out why they have different last names, but Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper, hosts that podcast. So we have a full podcast experience for you guys so check out all these shows and uh yeah monday through friday all the way alive man that's awesome that's totally awesome yeah i mean it's a good group of guys too like everybody the whole community is super supportive i I absolutely love it you know like there's been a lot of crossover from you know i i kind of got my introduction into this this whole like uh crowd through jackie's podcast and uh you know slowly but surely i met you i met you know the other guys that you were mentioning as well and um you know there's just been this really nice like uh you know support system between everybody and i think that's really cool especially like you know a lot of us live in different places and have never met yet uh it does feel like a um like a tight-knit community you know and and everyone just uh you know sharing everybody else's podcast on their own personal you know, Instagrams or Facebooks or what have you, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think it's great, man. You know, we're, we're kind of like, you know, we're slowly but surely turning into like a little 
force to be reckoned with. And you know, I, I just absolutely love that. It's super sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, really overjoyed, man. It's like I, I've been doing this for a while, but you know, it's only been recently that it seems to really be catching on with people. And um, you know, not not the least of which is the support that I get from all these guys I just mentioned. And it was really cool meeting Jackie, man. Like I, out of the blue. When we were doing press for Under Sullen Skies, I got a, a message from uh, Katie, who has been on, also been a guest on on Jackie's podcast, um, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, this guy uh, wants to interview you as a guest on on his show," and and just we hit it off, and yeah, just stayed friends, man. Became pretty tight, you know. I, I would say, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's cool how this whole thing has grown. Yeah, you know, I uh, it's a funny not. I don't know if it's funny, but it's an interesting story on how I met him too. You know, it was, um, I was just talking about this to a friend of mine today because, uh, an episode that we just did just dropped today. Um, and he was listening to it. He was curious how, how me and Jackie had met. And, you know, it was during the pandemic things just started like, you know, you know, the world was kind of going crazy or what have you. And, and I had just recently literally had just moved to, to Sweden. I didn't really know a whole lot of people. And so, uh, in that, in that like sort of isolation, um, I, I just started listening to, to podcasts, you know, just to, I don't know. I, I don't really know what drew me to it. I hadn't really listened to a whole lot of podcasts prior to that. And I found his, cause I was kind of curious about like, were, were there any metal podcasts out there? And so, um, and I coincidentally also found metal matters when you were still hosting that too. Oh yeah. But, um, I, um, so I reached out to him uh, and I had just done the very first Quell EP. And I told him like a little, you know, spiel about myself, you know, which I've since refined since those days. But like, you know, the first time you when you're reaching out, you just have this like long spiel about like, hey, I'm this guy, blah blah blah, or whatever. And we ended up uh, doing um, like a an impromptu Zoom call, which we didn't record, but we ended up talking for over like three hours. And um, both of us regret not recording that that session because it, it was a pretty cool session but then a few i think maybe a few weeks later we did the very first um episode together um and uh yeah ever since then you know uh we've been friends and uh, it's, it's blossomed into quite a relationship even though still never met the guy in person um i consider him a brother you know we talk offline and and you know just like you and i talk as well and uh yeah i think it's it's just absolutely cool that we live in a, an era where that's that's a possibility you know it's really yeah. neat yeah, absolutely, man. And so I, I never got a feel for how long you lived in Sweden. So it's, it was what, like a year or two, two years, something like that. Uh, it's it total. It was three years. Um, but, uh, the first year that I was there, I was back and forth because I was in the process of getting my visa approved. So I was still living there on my U S passport. And the deal is when you're in Europe, I mean, you probably know this too. Um, uh, but you, when you're on a U.S. passport, you can only be in Europe for up to 90 days. Right. So I'd be 90 days in, in uh, Sweden, and then I'd have to leave, and I'd go back to the States. And thankfully, at the time, the job I was working was cool with that. So I'd go back, and I'd work for the job, and I'd come back again. And I did that until I got approved. And then I was uh, I, I stayed there for another it's about three and a half years in total because I was there for another two and a half years. Like, like I said, I just got back in April. So I'd say that's roughly about, you know, half a year there. So, um, yeah, so about two, uh, three and a half years in total was I in Europe. And you, you now you're back in the States. Cause I know, I remember you and I were in touch when you first came back. And, and so how long has it been since you've been in the States now? 
I, I was talking about this with Jackie too, and I think it's been about a month. I can't remember the exact date uh, it came back. <laughs> I, I, a lot's been happening since I got back, but it's been roughly a month. Roughly a month. How's it feel to come back, man? You, you know, it seems like there's all this like unrest and fucking misery going on right now, and, and you know, yeah. how, how does that feel to come back in the middle of all this stuff? It's a trip, man. You know, um, I mean, not just that, because I mean that, you know, I, I saw I saw bits of that out there in Europe, too. You know, um, I mean, for instance, like with the whole situation in Ukraine, um, when I was uh, I had to renew my I had to renew my visa in December. Um, but I uh, well, I got approved for my renewal in December. I went and got my renewal. I think it was. I don't know, it was January or February. I went to um, the migration office there in Stockholm, and uh, there was like, eh, talk about feeling like a, like out of place. There was all these, you know, Ukrainian refugees like just standing in line, like the longest line I've seen uh, ever at this at this office. And uh, I'm there just to get my fucking photo taken again, you know. <laughs> and like, there's all these people that are like trying to get like asylum in the country and stuff. And uh, you know, so. Um, Obviously, we saw we saw that uh, we saw a lot of that in Stockholm, and um, there were some you know there there were some signs of the rising prices and, and happening, but not so much as it is here. That was definitely a big shocker coming back to, to the United States and just seeing like especially like in in um, Virginia, Virginia is always like I always kind of go on like. The highest gas prices I've ever seen have been when I lived in California, and it's usually about double what it is on the East Coast, or at least where what it is in Virginia. Yeah. But um, like right now, gas in Virginia is like sitting right around like four dollars and fifty cents a gallon, um, which is like unheard of. I mean, typically it's around two dollars a gallon here. And uh, you know, same thing with going to the grocery store. I mean, I just went to the grocery store today. Literally, I got, I got a lemon, some spinach, and uh, uh, a thing of orange juice came out to $10. Damn. I mean, it's just, yeah, man. So it's getting wild out there, you know? And uh, yeah, it's weird, you know? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely in Trump country. And uh, I mean, you and I have talking about this before. Uh, I'm not wild about that. Um, uh, the... People are nice, you know, for the most part. I don't have any issues with anybody. I haven't, at least I haven't had any issues, but there's just a lot of that Trump rhetoric everywhere. I mean, I was telling Jackie this too. Like, one of my neighbors down the road from me has a flagpole outside. And he's got a, a Trump flag above the American flag on his flagpole. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that's just, I don't know, that's something that, you know, is strange to me. Um, I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of government in general, but um, definitely not of that sort of rhetoric and, and that sort of belief system. Yeah, so, well, it's it it's a it's a the whole right wing extremist mainstreaming of the right wing extremism in this country is very alarming. I mean, you know, prior to Donald Trump, like you'd get these right wingers, all these militia guys that were way out in the fringes. But a lot of this rhetoric now is becoming front and center, like in, in the, you know, it's more the, the your average conservative is a right wing extremist almost, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what bugs me the most about it um, is that it's getting shoved down your face. And I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of anything being shoved in my face, no sure. matter what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's not, that's not uh, something I'm super stoked about, but 
as far as the town that I'm in is concerned, um, this town used to be a real, I, I think I mentioned this to you last time we talked on, on the podcast, it used to be a real hillbilly town. And it's uh, it's changed quite a bit. Um, I've, I've uh, seen a lot of more culture coming to like the downtown area. And, um, and it seems that there are more, there are more diverse people moving to this town because it is, we're like, we're in a national forest here. Um, so there's a lot of like outdoor activities and that draws a lot of, you know, you're more, um, I guess, you know, you're more outdoorsy, you're more hippie, you're more like liberal types as well. So their influence is also coming to the town. And I think that's a good thing. That's a, that's a much needed thing to this town. And, uh, so that's a positive and just being in nature is positive. You know, um, living in Stockholm, there is nature in Sweden, of course, you know, but living in the big city, um, you know, you don't really realize it. I mean, you lived in New York for a while, so you, you kind of know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it starts to it starts to affect you in ways that you don't even really realize. You know, when you're not you never see the stars and this, it's constantly like noisy. And there's just like this energy that sort of just gets to your get, gets through your skin and, and it starts to affect you. You know, you, you start to become a little bit more short tempered and a little bit more irritable. And uh, and. Yeah, and it's just like um, when I got back here and like smelled some fresh air and like. Been, I've been able to like go hiking every day. Um, it's been nice, and I and I enjoy that. And uh, yeah, so that's what it's like being here. And then um, the first week, I, well, not the second week, I was back. I, I took a trip out to California and um, saw some friends of mine out there, and uh, um, and that was neat too. That's um, you know, it, it's been it's been a, a an interesting um, month so far. I. Uh, I've gotten like I don't know if closure is the right word, but I you know I've since uh, since I've been gone for so long, you know I've had thoughts about like you know the places I used to live and you know kind of um, like maybe like a hole or something kind of like you know a gap where where those where those places used to exist in my life, and so it was nice to be able to go back and sort of see them again and uh, you know and and realize uh, you know maybe it's um, not as romantic i don't have to romanticize it as much as i as i maybe did when i was not in those places so yeah it's been cool yeah that's kind of interesting to do that i've done that because i've lived in a bunch of places too i mean primarily i lived in new york but uh in my early 20s there was like this uh you know kind of jack kerouac phase you know peter pan phase where i was traveling a lot and um i lived out in washington state for a while in this town called bellingham and uh it it was a good time i was like young you know i was like this young guy and uh i would romanticize that that time as well but then you know years later i went back on tour it was like we didn't even play there it was like we played in vancouver and we were playing in seattle the next day and we were driving through and i'm like oh let's let's stop for lunch in this town that i used to live in and it was just like puts things in perspective when you go there years later. Like you, you don't really, everything's, it's almost like this ghost of a town, you know, things have changed. People have moved on. You don't recognize anyone. Your, your street looks different. Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I've been saying this lately, um, that I feel like a stranger in a familiar place. I could relate to that, man. You know, that, that's, that's a, that's a relatable feeling for sure. So the last time I had you on, it was right around the time uh, The Cult is Dead came out, the latest uh, Quell record. And 
What's actually nice, I guess, about being a one-man operation is like moving around the world like you have, it doesn't really affect uh, your productivity as a band. You can just kind of set up wherever you are and you still have pretty much everything in place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can <laughs> I can pretty much put my whole studio in a suitcase and, and take it around with me. So say for you- like, uh, say for like the, you know, I the microphones and stuff like that. I, I went to like, a, I usually go to the studio cause I can't afford a $8,000 microphone. No, it's better to do that. <laughs> better to do that anyway, man. You know, it's like when, you know, when you're recording, it's always better to have like, like if you're doing something ambitious, like a full length, it's better to have someone to help, help you engineer that rather than try to do everything yourself. Yeah, definitely. So have you had thoughts of doing any more quell material? Are you working on anything right now? Yeah, I'm I'm currently working on some stuff. Um I'm at the moment I'm just writing all the songs on guitar. So I've got two that I'm satisfied with, like and are you know absolutely complete. And um I am I think the direction I want to go in is probably just do another EP. Um the there was a quite a big undertaking doing the full length and honestly I just don't I mean who knows? I might say this right now on the podcast and then like a month from now, I'll change my mind. But uh, at the moment, um, I, I'm not feeling uh, as much inspiration to pull off something that big. So I'm just uh, sort of going with the flow and just recording ideas that come to me and seeing what I can make out of it. You know, I, I want to um, I want to constantly improve. So I don't want to put out anything that I think is is um, like less than what I've done in the past. So at the moment, I'm just going to focus on maybe doing like a four song EP and just trying to make it as good as possible and really just like zero in on all the little, you know, all the little things that I have to do. But, um, it's been, uh, because of maybe because of the move and because of some changes in my personal life, um, I've been struggling a little bit with writer's block. And, uh, so I've actually been going in a different direction. Um, not with quell, but I've been working on some other type of music. Um, and I'm trying to my hand at post punk and like oh, okay. synth, like dark, yeah, like dark, dark synthy stuff and and post punk, and and um, I just want to see what I what I can come up with that, and if it does turn into anything that I think is uh you know is interesting and people might want to listen to, then I'll I'll maybe release that also as like a one man project, um, and you know it's it's always been the type of music that I really enjoy, and I've I've played in post-punk, I played in a post-punk band when I was in Stockholm. Um, I played bass in a band and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoy it, but I don't, um, I don't write that way because I've been writing metal music for, uh, since I was 15. So what's that? 19 years. I've been writing metal music and punk music, you know? And, um, when you don't, you know, when you don't play, covers of post-punk songs or, or your brain's not oriented that way it's uh you know they did the songs don't really come like the, that style doesn't come naturally to me so it's been interesting to sort of force myself in into that that creative space and i think my brain just needs that for a minute just to take a break from um you know black metal and and because i don't i also don't want to like i one of the things i don't know if you ever do this whenever you're writing songs for tunes 
but I, oftentimes like when I'm writing, when I'm trying to write something new, and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll fuck around on the guitar for a while and, and I'll maybe come up with a cool riff and I'll jam on that riff for a while and I'll record it down. And then, you know, maybe an hour into playing, I'll, I'll realize that I'm just like starting to play old riffs that I had you know, previously <laughs> written, you know? Sure. And, um, and I don't want to like, I'm trying to, you know, again, like I said, just a little bit ago, like I, I want to do something, you know, that's, new and 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 making you know making progress i don't want to just like you know put out the same thing that i've done before and uh and i've, I've been noticing at at the moment that my writing has been doing that so i'm taking it upon myself to force uh you know force my brain into a, an uncomfortable creative space and it, with the hopes of maybe coming up with something you know unique and cool um and new on the quell side but also to see if maybe you know i can come up with some like new project that you know if, if it turns out to be anything cool you know anything good so yeah that's cool man i you know it's funny you mentioned like how you i i have actually completed songs and recorded them and years later i realized that some of the riffs were in a different song from an earlier record actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's you know and it's difficult too because like i'll tell you one i'll tell you one of the negative sides one of the downsides to being a one-man band is that i don't practice you know i don't have a band to practice with right yeah, so yeah. uh i when i write these songs a lot of times i never play them again you know i mean i can still i have everything saved you know in in like the the reaper um program and you know i have everything like all the individual tracks um, so, you know, if I, if I do ever play live or something, I can go back and listen to it. I mean, and I did write the riff. So, I mean, they're, they're still just like floating up there inside of my brain. I know I can, I can play them again, but I, I just don't like, uh, sit there and, and go over like, you know, the, the same six songs over and over again, because I don't have a guitar to be ready for or anything like that. So oftentimes, um, you know, they, they just sort of disappear for a little while. And then that's when I end up like, you know playing a riff and i'm like this sounds real familiar i'm like oh shit like this is this is fucking <laughs> off of like the first ep or something like that you know yeah, yeah so totally. it, so I, and like now i'm up to i'm up to 18 songs now um with quell and uh so it's a lot of riffs floating around up in there so i have to be really careful and and i don't change tuning or anything i've been in d standard this entire time so i gotta be real careful when i'm when i'm writing that i don't uh you know i don't accidentally you know redo a riff that i've already done before you know play plagiarize yourself <laughs> yeah plagiarize myself you know yeah yeah it's funny jeff whitehead talked about that um i don't know if, if it was an interview that i read or heard somewhere he hasn't he hasn't really do podcasts but so it might have been an interview or it might have been that there's like a vice thing about one man black metal but I, I actually i don't think it was part of that but you know, if you think about Leviathan has probably between all the demos and everything, there's probably hundreds of songs that dude has. Right. And he was talking about how he couldn't really play live because he doesn't remember how to play any of them. Yeah. You know, when it's crazy to think of like, at that when it, when I read that, I was imagining like some of the most meaningful music is music that he's written. Some of the to me at least, you know, between Lurker of Chalice and Leviathan. Songs that I, I like listen to like to this day, and I get such like emotional satisfaction out of it. To, to think that that might be something that that guy has never once revisited, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a trip, you know, because um, 
you know, once once an artist releases it's his, his or her music, you know, it's it's no longer the artist's music. It becomes like, you know, part of the public domain and what that song, you know, the life of that song takes on to somebody else is, you know, that guy be, or, you know, Jeff Whitehead, for instance, he's like, yeah, whatever, you know, I've got a hundred other fucking songs. Yeah. But, you know, that one, that one to you is like, oh, fuck, that's like, that's my jam, you know? And, and yeah, it's, it's totally a trip. I, um, I, I had the pleasure of meeting, um, Alex Webster one time after a Cannibal Corpse show. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, there was this really cool club. It's no longer there. Um, uh, I think I, I brought this up to you before, but it was called Jack's Nightclub. Yeah. In uh, Spring, yeah. Springfield. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, a, lot, uh, a lot of metal. In, that's like a metal metal stop on a lot of tours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw so many cool shows there. And it was in this it was in this strip mall. So the parking for like all these you know bands was just – in the back of the strip mall. So like, you know, you just walk out the club and then just go around the building and, and all the guys are there. So oftentimes we, you know, after a show, we'd go back there and try to, you know, meet some of our, you know, role models and stuff. And I got to talk to him one time and I asked him that question um, specifically. I was like, how do you guys remember like all your shit? And he goes, we don't. <laughs> he's like we just we just fucking like you know we figure out whatever 12 songs we're gonna play and or 18 songs we're gonna play and then we just you know we have to we have to bring the tabs out and we have to start relearning all of them again you know and uh and it was really like it was you know the first time that i realized that okay so you know these guys aren't you know like uh larger than life you know they're just human beings and they forget shit too you know so that was kind of a humbling moment uh, to 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 hear that from somebody as as prolific as Alex Webster. Oh, totally. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's imagine everybody, that, you know, like yeah, especially I mean, a lot of their early, especially their early material, like their newer newer songs are great. Like I, I actually really really like the last couple of Cannibal records, and they're a yeah, little gro- they're a little groovier. You know, they're not as like technical in some ways as their earlier material. I think they really benefited from uh, getting Eric Rutan, like not only Eric Rutan on on board for engineering, because uh, I think he started with that Kill record, yeah, um, engineering them. But then, you know, after uh, after uh, O'Brien like uh, went off the went off the reservation, um, then they got him in as like doing guitar duty, and and uh, I mean, I you can't, I don't think you get a better guy when it comes to death metal guitar um, in your band, you know, I mean, fucking morbid angel fame hate eternal fame i mean it's just you know that's a great guy to have in, in cannibal corpse for sure yeah absolutely man i mean you you he's one of the best like top guitar players in death metal eric routine yeah 100 yeah, i mean it's it's a controversial opinion to have but like my my favorite uh morbid angel albums are the ones that he's on Dude, Gateways to Annihilation is just fucking amazing, man. That's like one of my Gateways to Annihilation. It, it, it's my favorite. Yeah. No, that <laughs> yeah. that that record, it, you know, that's where they got the seven strings, you know? And yeah. uh it's like super heavy and just brooding sounding, you know. But I mean, I I like you know, I like Alters of Madness. I like the first two or three best, really, but but Gateways is up there, man. Out of the I would say Alters, Blessed, Gateways, and Covenant. Yeah, like my probably my favorite Morbid Angel records. And I'm a big fan of, um, you know, I'm a big fan of of Vincent. Like he's, uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, he's, you know, he's death metal royalty. But um, I, I prefer uh, Steve Tucker on vocals. Um, I just think he, he just has, um, I don't yeah. know, 
No, I, There's I, something about that 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 lineup on Gateways. It, it's just it's it's untouchable for me. And that album will remain at, on like on my tier of great death metal albums forever. I I actually like Tucker's voice better, but I like um, Dave Vincent's whole like like thing that he was doing on those first few records. You know, like the the evil like satanic shit and the. Like, he's more creative. I I will say that he takes more risks than. Um, than Tucker does. Tucker's yeah. very in pocket, in pocket, but uh, but Vincent definitely, you know, with the chanting, like, like and, and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely doing more interesting things for sure. Yeah, like he took all that stuff to heart. You know what I mean? Like he had like, there's a difference when someone's writing about occult stuff and you know this dark spirituality, and it's just words to them. And then there's a guy who goes the extra mile with that. And I feel like, like at that period, Dave Vincent was like you know into it like he was down for whatever the shit he was writing about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? he's he's about it he's about it for sure yeah <laughs> yeah totally you know um tucker had that other band Warfather. have you ever heard that yeah yeah i heard them yeah that's good, that's good. good stuff and then right? he did uh he did um what the hell was it called um i think didn't he, he was on uh that uh nader sadiq project too i think i think that was tucker um, I, at least I, don't, on one. I don't know that I don't know that. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. It's like uh, this. Uh, I think he's Egyptian. Uh, his name. Uh, I think his name is Nader Sadiq. Or I could be wrong about that. That that will don't quote me on that. But uh, it's just one Egyptian guitar player guy. And he writes just like crazy death metal music. And his bands are usually super groups. They're like they've had um, you know, they've had Blasphemer from Mayhem fame in his project. And uh, and I think Steve Tucker was did vocals and. Um, but yeah, I'll send you some some stuff you can check it out and see what you think. But uh, but yeah, uh, Tucker, I mean, iconic voice, um, powerful voice. You know, I, I definitely approve uh, of him. You know, doing doing metal music. Wasn't the biggest fan of the most recent Morbid Angel that they did. Um, I thought the album was just okay, but uh, um, but definitely Gateways to Annihilation is still going to be like it holds it holds uh, it age it ages very well for me. I just listened to it a few days ago. Actually, it's it's fucking oh. amazing, you know. Yeah, dude. I mean, like just that, just the just that opening with like the the locust, oh, yeah. you know, the, yeah. cr the crickets. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, that whole album is is great. I mean, I could I could do a whole podcast just on that fucking on that fucking album. Listen to it so many goddamn times. And that riff is so brooding too. You know, they got like the fucking seven strings, and it's all brutal. Sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that uh, that something redemption too, like the yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, there there was like a weird period where it's seven string guitars, and it it's like it's not new metal at all. But I mean, but there was like a um an influence of groove that hit a lot of death metal around the time that that record came out, which I thought was cool. And, you know, another thing that doesn't get, I mean, it, it's probably been discussed a thousand times. That's why it doesn't get brought up much anymore, but like the, you know, Trey's solos that, you know, they just like propel you into outer space, you know, they're just laden with like reverb and delay and they're just, you know, it's, there's not really anything else like it out there. I mean, there might be copycats of it, but, there's no one can pull it off the same way you know the, the solos are just you know i i there's they almost don't even belong in the song but somehow it works like you know it's just it's crazy like it 
the whole thing the whole thing is just awesome yeah morbid angel is my favorite uh death metal band of all time i have to say that's and, a good one. Uh, yeah, good no, one I mean, they, they, the playing is great. The image, like the, the subject matter of the songs. And also, I've always felt like Morbid, especially in the early period, was almost like a death metal black flag, you know? Like there was like, the guitar player was like the visionary. And he was like obsessively, like insanely obsessive about the music. And his solos were completely unique similar to greg ginn you know yeah yeah very much like Ginn. yeah and you know and and the same with um sandoval too like uh i i remember i remember hearing a, a story about sandoval one time and he um he would like show up to band practice earlier in the day and he would just play until he would literally like just pass out he just played until he couldn't fucking play anymore he just pass out in the band room like in a pool of sweat and then the band would show up and then he'd just wake up, sit back behind the drums and then do the whole set. Like, I mean, they're just talking like a different type of dedication that those kind of guys had. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, actually, Rutan was telling me when he joined the band, you know, he, ha he had to catch on to that work ethic. You know, I mean, he Eric is a very, very disciplined guy. You know, but he was telling me when he joined Morbid Angel, like they were already like in full stride with what they were doing, you know, and he learned a lot about like work ethic and discipline and stuff from that band. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, I would, I wouldn't even be offered that job, but it's like, that would be a tough, that'd be a tough uh, gig to do for sure. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I want to talk about the other stuff you're working on. Like you were talking about the um, this con concept that you have for doing, um, yeah, like a post-punk influence thing. But what I what I find most interesting about that is that I'm not expecting you to make a record or demo or whatever that sounds like you know Joy Division or something like that. But it's going to sound mm -hmm. different than that. I'm hoping at least that you know it's people always have. You know, these guys in bands, you know, like they have the band they do and then there's like, oh, here's my electronic project or my dance project or, and it's just kind of like, a, you know, I'm trying to, how, how should I say this? Um, <laughs> like, it's just kind of going through the numbers of what they think it's supposed to sound like and they just basically do a cover band that's original material, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, okay, this is like my my post-punk band, but, and it's, but it sounds like doesn't really sound original. I'm, I suspect that when you create this stuff, it's not going to be just like you playing this style of music. It's going to be like you filtering through all the stuff that you have done before, like this angle on music. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much. So. I mean, at least I, I hope that's how it comes across, you know, like, I, like I mentioned, you know, I'm, my background is, is in metal. And uh, so I don't already have that, you know, um, I'm not running my guitar through those filters as it stands right now. And albeit like I am a fan of post-punk and, and, you know, quote unquote goth music. Um, it's not some, it's not the type of music I, I listen to all the time. And so, um, you know, I might have some, I have some inspirational bands that I listen to for sure, but I don't think they're the same kind of bands that most people um, listen to. You know, for instance, like uh, like one of my favorite 
um, post-punk bands is this band called The Gentry. They're from the Netherlands. And not a lot of people know who they are. They had like maybe a couple albums. My favorite of theirs is this album called Solitude. But it, it's not it's not like, you know, um, you know, it's not uh, the same kind of like Bauhausy, you know, uh, stuff like, you know, it's not. And I, I just uh, I just like that that sort of more I like that aesthetic. I like the I like um, taking a break from intense music and having something that's like dark and and like um, mournful sounding. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. So so yeah, I'm gonna that's the that's the that's the overall like that's the real if there is any direction, that's the direction. But well, that, there's no they're, they're a pretty obscure on. band, man. That's like um mid eighties or something like that, the gentry. Yeah, do you do you know them? Yeah, I heard of them. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah they're mid eighties, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's um, like uh a reach. Like how do you find out about them? Like is that like is that just from checking stuff out online and stuff? No. So when I was in California, I, um, I worked for a printing company for like six years. And, uh, one of the things that we printed was this zine called force exposure. Um, Oh yeah, totally dude. Yeah. That's Uh, a classic, classic zine, man. Uh, Yeah. So we printed force exposure. So I would always steal one whenever I would print them. (laughs) And then I would just go through them at night. Like when I would get off of work and I would just go through and like anything that I like hadn't heard of, I would just look it up. And the Gentry was being reissued. That Solitude album was being reissued by Force Exposure, and uh, so I found them. I found them there. I found a lot of cool, product, a lot of cool, like obscure stuff that I've never heard of. I found from Force Exposure. Yeah, it was a great magazine, man. There, there was another magazine called Propaganda, which I've talked about a bunch on this podcast. Have you heard of that? I have heard of it. Yeah, I have never read it, but I have. I do know of its existence. I used to work at a warehouse, like a, a, a record store, like a record store chain in New England when I lived in Boston. I used to work in a warehouse for this record store mm-hmm. chain called Newberry Comics. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, pretty big chain. You know, it's like a lifestyle type of thing these days. But back in the day, they were like, um, actually, they had great buyers. You know, the, everything that they had was like pretty you know, pretty, pretty legit. You know, you can get all the obscure stuff. You get popular stuff. You know, Twin Peaks was huge. So they had like, you know, Twin Peaks calendars and books and all that stuff. Right. And, um, I, they carry, they carried propaganda magazine. And that was like, I would always grab a, you know, same thing. You get half, like 50% discount. So I would grab all the, whenever the new issues came out, I have a whole bunch of them. And, um, that, that was that enforced exposure because I read that too back then. And that was like, you know, all about like post-punk and goth and industrial stuff, especially propaganda. It was like the design was really cool. It was like black and white. And um, it was the first place that I heard, you know, like Fields of the Nephilim, Death in June, uh, Specimen, like stuff like that. You know, there, right. there would always be something about like, you know, prop... Uh, throbbing gristle or coil would be in there and uh, (laughs) there was always something about someone that was associated with them there was always an article about them in there and the funny thing about it is um there also was they featured soundgarden in there and that was kind of how i I found out about soundgarden was like in a in a goth industrial magazine so yeah yeah it's awesome yeah i i love you know i i 
I'm not going to get all nostalgic and say I, I miss those days because, I mean, you, you have the fucking internet now. But it's nice to have it all in one place. And it's nice to be, um, it, you know, I like the concept of, of this, like, all these different things being recommended to you in this one place. You know, um, it's it's kind of hard to filter through things like these days. Like, you know, if you go to, like, uh, Metal and Encyclopedia, I mean, if you just click the letter A, there's like over like 600 pages of A. I mean, there's just no way to go through all those bands. I mean, you could, I'm sure, but it's nice like when someone does the, the little bit of the legwork for you and it's like, this is what you need to check out. You know, check this fucking weird ass fucking post-punk band from the Netherlands. You know, check out this, you know, check out, you know, uh, Genesis Genesis P. Orridge and, and fucking Throb and Gristle. You know, like, it's nice that, that people did that, you know, for a long time and, uh, and I'm thankful for that because um, definitely, I mean, that's, that's really how I get most of my music. I mean, with the exception of Spotify um, doing it's like recommended for you. Um, I don't really, I don't spend a whole lot of time like looking for new artists. So either I'll get, you know, hit something through you or through Jackie um, or yeah. Otherwise uh, a lot of stuff goes by the wayside these days, but you know, um, when I was younger, I was, I was just all, I was so curious and inquisitive and like, and I knew that, uh, you know, I felt it, there was like a, there was like a, like a little, like, I don't know what the word is, but like, it felt kind of cool, like knowing the shit that other people didn't know. And it, and it's like, it was neat to like stumble across something that like, you know, there's a group of people that like really like this thing, but like no one else has heard of it. Like, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. And, and I, uh, I definitely do, um, I don't know if I, I still get that excitement from time to time, but I don't get it in the same way. And I definitely don't get it as often these days. Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, Into the Necrosphere is, is a, that's a good resource for me too. I found out about so many bands, like just from listening to that show, you know? Yeah. And you've mentioned it before and I, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll echo what you said about Jackie. Like, I don't know how he retains all that knowledge about all that stuff. And it's not like, it's definitely not like he's got it. I mean, I'm sure he's got some like, you know, liner notes that he follows when he's, when he's like doing his podcast. But if you bring up anything to that guy, just on a whim, he'll be like, Oh yeah. You mean like that song that has this lyric in it? I'm like, how the fuck do you do this? <laughs> like his, his brain, his brain is just like endless when it comes to like, you know, the being able to archive all this metal. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's very impressive to me. It's very impressive. Yeah, you know, he kind of turned me on to a lot of those Australian bands. Like, um, like I knew about Psychroptic because our guitar player, Todd, plays bass for Psychroptic. Okay. And so I was aware of them and the whole Dave Haley drumming phenomenon. But mm -hmm. uh, I found out about Werewolves from, from, uh, from Jackie. I found out about, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of those bands. And, but that was the entry point, Werewolves. And then... I got into ruins. The well, the Amenta was another thing that yeah, fits within. Awesome. Yeah, they're 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 amazing. They're like one of my favorite bands, really. And um, they, man, the Australians they have this fucking vibe, man. Which I'm just so you know. And I, I've always been a fan of the a lot of music from that region. Like even going all the way back to like the birthday party and uh you know beasts of bourbon you know not not metal bands rose tattoo yeah rose tattoo you know acdc you know right and um you know and then you know destroyer 666 and bands like that and then but now there's like this this group of guys that are just making some of the best 
extreme music ever, you know? Yeah, they're killing it. And I mean, I mean, absolutely killing it, you know, and we just mentioned the Amenta, like, I mean, that, that Revelator album is just fantastic. I was listening to that last week and like, I, I'm still not tired of it yet. And I'm still finding little things in that album that um, I didn't hear like the time before I was into it, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah. I kind of like equate it to like Mr. Bungle meets a fucking metal band, like like old Mr. Bungle, like California era Mr. Bungle. Just you know, because it's just all over the place and is with the vocals and with the music and it's phenomenal and it's yeah. and everything that's coming, not just them, of course, everybody that's that's coming out of me, coming out with music uh, from there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, who knows, man? Or the lack of water, maybe. Or lack of water, yeah. <laughs> you get heat stroke long enough, you start writing fucking good fucking metal. Yeah. <laughs> but do you, um, with Quell, like, do you, you ever, you know, has there ever been the concept of playing live and putting together a lineup for that band? I think we talked about this a little bit, but I, it always comes back. And I'm like, well, now that you're in the States, you know, maybe you can pull to, put a, a performing band together. I would like to. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been years since I've played live and, um, you know, I, I do miss it. And I, I used to play live all the time. Um, I never like, you know, really got anywhere with it, but to do tours and, and play local shows a lot. And I, I really do enjoy it. And I would like to do, I would like to do something with Quell. Um, you know, it's been, uh, for the, for the time being, it was just, it's been more of like just a creative outlet for me, but you know, it kind of just, um, you know, I, at first when I was doing Quell, I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think anybody was even going to enjoy it or, or, you know, pay any mind to it. But it does seem I've been getting positive feedback from, this, you know, everything I've been putting out. And, and the people who do listen to it are very encouraging and, and very kind, and, you know, uh, you know, tell me to keep going and keep doing stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, the thing is, like, you know, in this area, there's really no demand for any kind of shows and stuff like that but if i could put something together and it would take some work because you know i I would want to play you know probably get up to baltimore get up to philly play shows up there and stuff so it would take a lot um some work and i haven't done that kind of legwork in a long time so it would be it would be um uh a a hurdle for me but I, i i have been thinking about it now that i'm back and um you know i'm trying to figure out what i want to do next in life and uh you know there's there has been the thoughts of, you know, maybe one day returning to Stockholm, but I'm not hundred percent sure about that either, you know? Um, and in the meantime, I'm going to just, you know, kind of just kind of taking everything like day by day, but yes, um, I would like to play live. I have, um, a good friend of mine, uh, who is a drummer, um, who I've drummed with in the past and, and he's been in some bands of, uh, of, of note as well. And, uh, and so, the two of us um, have played together for many, many years, so it would be pretty easy to get him uh, to, on board. And I would just have to—I would have to figure out um, a few things, and I would have to tab everything out too, which is no big deal. But it's probably something I need to do anyway. Like I was talking about, I, I don't play these songs very often, so it would probably be beneficial for me to actually tab all this stuff out in case I get like a fucking head injury or something, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> how to play guitar anymore or something um but yeah uh i would like to do that you know and i and then yeah i know that's a big that's probably one of the you know one of the things that um 
that this project is missing is 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 getting out that that kind of exposure playing live because uh, you know I do I do what I can on on social media and and doing these podcasts and 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 um, I've been fortunate that I have had you know I've been able to reach out to people from all over the world and and um, you know uh, cure a little bit of a of a, a fan base um, but you know playing live that's where it's at and. And more so than anything else, like I, I do just kind of miss it, you know, and I've even I was even considering um, for a little while just like um, trying to join somebody else's band when I was out there. When I was out there in um, in Stockholm, I uh, I did a I won't say for who, but I did do um, an audition for a, a fairly big uh, death metal band out there and, uh, um, and nothing ever amounted to, it, uh, to anything but. It was a, a thought of mine just because I was kind of getting bored just sitting around and just, you know, you, you do all this work and you and you, you get this final product and it's really cool. It's awesome. I mean, there's nothing I like better than, than being finished with an album and being able to hold it in my hands. But then it kind of just it just kind of dies there in a sense, you know, other than um, doing these podcasts and stuff, uh, you know, it just nothing really. It just doesn't go anywhere, you know. And it's kind of a shame because I, I think that um, I think a lot of these songs translate really well live, because I write them in that sense. Like on on the the most recent one, the cult is dead. There's a few uh, guitar layering in some of the songs, but for the most part, it's just two guitar tracks. So all of it's all of it's really recreatable live, and uh, and it would be fun to play live. I think because it's not it's not overly complicated by any means. Uh, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I really, I really do. Uh, I, I really have been putting a lot of thought into that. Um, something I think about quite often. Yeah, that, and that was one of the things. Like, like the songs feel like they have a live feel to them. You know, I mean, you, sometimes you know you listen to like a one man project, and it's it doesn't seem like it's even ever going to be. Doesn't lend itself to the live setting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I always go back to Leviathan. Like, Leviathan doesn't seem like a band that would ever play live. You know what I mean? Like, That'd be difficult, too, with, like, he's got a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts in those yeah, songs. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just, like, an atmosphere that's, it's just this otherworldly thing that he can do within the studio that I don't think would ever translate to a live setting. But with Quell, it sounds like a band that tours. It has, like, a a, a characteristic that would, translate well to like a venue you know or on the road or something like that i've always landed myself as a more of a songwriter kind of a guy i know i've never been much for like writing solos and, and stuff like that i've always been more on the the rhythmic side of things the groovier side of things yeah and uh and i write i write that way you know i write in that that way that you would if you were jamming with some guys in a band room trying to create songs that you could take out live. So I've never really lost that. And uh, so I just, it just translates over to me doing all the parts instead of having four people doing all the, all the parts. But um, yeah, I, I, I like that, you know, and I, I guess in the back of my mind, I, I kind of maybe always, um, you know, had hoped that what maybe one day you know, I could take it out again. You know, it's always been like, I, I've, I don't talk about this too much, but like I have, you know, I, I, everyone has like little dreams and stuff like that. And I've always had like a dream of like playing a really big festival and, and uh, you know, and doing like a cool tour. Like I've done a, a, some small stuff with them. I, you know, I've done a couple tours, with like on un, unsigned bands and, <clears throat> and I had a band out here in Virginia and then we did some, 
opening acts at uh, that Jack's nightclub for, for some bigger name bands and stuff. Yeah. But I never really got to that. I never, I never scratched that one itch that I was always trying to, trying to scratch. And, uh, you know, I'm 34 now, so it's probably time to start thinking about doing that if I'm going to do it at all. I mean, yeah. never say never. I, I could fucking do it. I'm 60 if I, if my body will still hold up to it, but, um, but it'd be a good time to do it, you know, uh, if I could. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely really stoked on being able to, um, uh, to be able to like write and it's being well received and, and that the albums are turning out pretty good. But I definitely, uh, I definitely haven't accomplished everything that I want to accomplish in music. Like if I was to, if I was to hang it up right now, I would have regrets that I didn't do a few other things or at least didn't try to do a few other things. Oh, there you go. And the, namely like a, being, being live. Yeah. It's a goal. This, this should be a goal. I think I encourage this, man. I think it'd be great. You know, well, I'll, I'm going to work towards it then. You know, okay. I've, I've been, I've been making, I've been making some changes in life, positive changes. So I'll put that on the list as well. I'll, I'll start shooting for that. Yeah. When I get this next, uh, this next EP idea worked out and then this little, and then, yeah, but I'll simultaneously start working on that, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe I can, I can pick your brain, um, you know, for resources or information if I need, if I need to. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm around, you know, and, uh, and now, now is a good time to think about playing live. Cause like, you know, things are, um, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, things are pretty normal right now. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the live world is, uh, is kind of happening. So, you know, absolutely. You know, especially like, you know, everybody's been all pent up locked down for fucking two years. So everyone's probably pretty stoked to get out and see anything at this point even if it is a fucking black metal band <laughs> yeah i mean the uh when when under sullen skies came out it was in the height of the pandemic man so we it was similar to that where it's like oh, oh great we have a record cool you know there it is <laughs> you know like <laughs> right, there was no now what <laughs> now what you know there was no tour there was nothing like we did these like you know fucking filmed live sets but that that's like that's like jerking off or something like that man it's like you know it's it's fun but it's kind of unsatisfying really you know and yeah after a while you're just like what's the fucking point <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> and uh i think i got it, those made me like more depressed than anything you know i didn't it, it was cool but ultimately i was very depressed i think after afterwards because even even getting ready to, to shoot those like there was one in particular where we traveled to where the um, the location was where we shot it. It was like loft space down in South Jersey. And the whole thing felt like a show. Like we went to the space, we had the van, we loaded everything in the van, we drove you know a few miles, you know, like an hour or whatever. And I was like, oh, it feels like we're going to a gig, but we weren't. We were just going into this yeah. fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I mean... I can only imagine, you know, what it's like, especially when you, you know, you're really proud of something you just fucking created and you want to share it with the world. And it's like the world tells you, like, sorry, fucking sit and spin, but you know, can't do anything. Yeah, you know? it's it's kind of yeah. a trip because you know we we just did this East Coast uh, run of dates and a lot of that, those that was the first time that we played a lot of those songs in front of people. You know, and, and how was the how was the response? Was it good? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean. It's awesome. funny, we're, we're in like a little bit of a time warp right now because 
as this we're talking right now, I'm getting ready to leave for this other tour with Origin and Abysmal Dawn. And by the time this episode airs, I will be back from that tour. <laughs> so we're in this like weird time time warp right now. But uh yeah, but, yeah. so I'm hoping that goes well. But yeah, it's it's weird to not to have this record come come out like you know almost two years ago, and now it's like we're finally performing songs in front of people with you know those tracks. I wanted to ask you a question about the most recent album. Yeah, because I know I know you're a huge uh, Dwight Hellion fan. Yeah, and yeah, was that the first time? Is that the first time you had worked with him? Yeah, uh, that that's the only time we ever did anything together creatively. Like I've I've like interviewed him before, and and you know he's he was on Metal Matters a couple times. Yeah, I remember those episodes. Yeah, and uh, you know we stay in touch. You know, and and uh, interesting guy, definitely. Was that like a? I mean, was that kind of like a you know fucking notch in the belt moment for you to get him on a track? Is that something you wanted to do for a long time, or did it just kind of come to be that like it worked out that way? No, I definitely. The thing the thing was is that song, the hunger, is uh, obviously. A, uh, a an homage to Sam Hain and Danzig, you know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I think it's obvious. You know what I mean? That it's yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's like yeah. a very heavy duty Danzig thing going on with the riffs, and um, I know that Dwight is a huge Sam Hain fan specifically. I mean, even the 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 Integrity Skull, though that comes mm -hmm. from a um, uh, Blood a Tail which is like a comic, a com book. Yeah. comic book. Yeah, yeah. But it, it kind of mirrors Danzig and their, his skull, you know, which came from right. like a, uh, Quasar or like an older, an old Marvel comic. That, gotcha. uh, yeah. Christar, Christar. That skull is in the Christar mm -hmm. comic book. And uh, yeah, the whole thing. And I was just like, you know, I wrote the lyrics and I was like, man, it'd be sick to have like, Dwid do this like weird this chorus part you know so i just i sent i sent him the song and the lyrics i'd written i was like you want to do this he's like yeah and then like literally like a week later he sent me all these tracks like we That's had right. we hadn't even rec <laughs> properly recorded the song yet like it was a demo but you know we use click track so everything lines up on from the demo to the final version of the song right so oh that's so that's super that's super cool yeah i mean it turned out great but i i was just kind of i was always curious about that because i know you're a big fan of his so uh. what really put the 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 bee in my bonnet with this one was was um are, are you familiar with the band gehenna yeah 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 the black metal band yeah, well the the hardcore band oh. gehenna oh the hardcore yeah okay yes yeah. yes them too yes yeah from la they yeah. have a song called the tormentor Okay. Okay. And Dwid does uh, vocals on that song too, and and there was just something about his voice as like a, a backup singer. Mm -hmm. And this the song "The Tormentor" is kind of like a mid tempo, like kind of chuggy like song. And I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be cool to like, you know, I don't know, just he has such a distinctive voice too, you know. He does. He's got that voice that sounds like he's getting ready to like pop a vein in his forehead. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. He screams. Yeah, it's great. But that's awesome. Yeah, I just that was a little uh, bit of information I was curious about. The Integrity's playing out here in Jersey like in another month or so. There's um Oh nice. They're playing with a municipal waste at this uh 
very, very small venue, like about 15 minutes from here. And uh, I'm probably going to go. I think, I think I'll be home. I'm not sure. I got to look at the date. I, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be back for this tour. I, I mean, you definitely got to go if you're, if you're around. If you're sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100%, man. You know, and uh, it's, it's going to be wild seeing Municipal Waste and those guys in this place because it's only like, you could probably fit like 70 people in it. Yeah, I saw I saw them with um, Toxic Holocaust one time, which is like you know they're practicing you know, the same style of music, and uh, that was a that was at one of the Maryland Death Fest one year, and uh, that was a wild show. That was oh, definitely yeah. a wild show for sure. Yeah, yeah, people are losing their minds for them, man. Yeah, MDF. Yeah. It's good, solid, solid. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun time for sure. You know, it's like yeah. fun fun metal. You know, you really get into it, and like people are just crowd surfing, and just everyone's like just sweating. It's a good time. You know, unlike black metal shows where guys are just standing there fucking staring at the band all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, some of the bigger shows people move around, you know. Like, uh, like I, when I just saw, I saw Mayhem like about a month ago. You know, and there are people moving around up front. You know, I, I don't know if you've experienced this in your touring, but like I've noticed a big difference between European crowds and American crowds. And in Europe, they don't mosh very often. In fact, they kind of look at you weird if you try to start mosh pits and stuff, which I have been on the receiving end of that, trying to start mosh pits. <laughs> Just because, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the fucking, I'm the, the annoying American, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I have, like, a love-hate <laughs> relationship with Europeans, man. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, I like the UK. I like, I like Brits. Brits are cool. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're like Americans kind of in some ways, but also very different too in, in other ways, you know, for but, sure. but if you compare a Brit to like a German, you know, it's like, like night day. we're more like there were Americans and Brits are more like each other than where either one of us are like Germans. For sure. Yeah, I know. What I know what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't want to offend anyone because I have down. No, I don't. I don't think you are. I, I well, think, no. Only the only reason why I don't want to offend anyone is one of, one of my best friends is German. So you know, Ralph's German. I don't want Ralph. Yeah, I don't want to offend him. You know, but yeah. he'll yeah. probably he'll probably back you up on that. <laughs> he will. He makes fun of Germans yeah. all the time. So yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, they, yeah. they're self-aware. Of course, you know, yeah. just like we're self-aware. We know we're we know we're fucking over the top. You know when it comes to shit <laughs> but like the, the thing right. i love i love about germans though is like when you know you, you play there you know they're like oh you you were much better last time you know or <laughs> or this uh this patch you know i don't like the shape of the patch that you have it's i like the i prefer the round ones <laughs> that was an actual conversation i had in uh potsdam i think that's with, amazing with a dude and then he was like very focused on on the, the the configuration of the patches that we had i think uh at least you know where you stand you know like you, you can't can't um fault them for the honesty at least that's nice yeah. yeah when i first started touring over in europe i was always uh you know the germans would always talk about how american bands are terrible you know and all this stuff and how like you know that was during the explosion of all the like Scandinavian D beat stuff was like really big, but this one guy had, you know, he was, he was going off on Americans and how unoriginal they are. But then like this dude had like a tragedy patch in it from ashes rise, like hat, you know? And yeah, like, yeah, I gotcha. yeah. Like 
I'm like, you don't exist without American bands. Like, that's the thing I right. was trying to, th I was like laughing at the guy. I'm like, bro, like you don't exist without any of these bands, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true, you know? Yeah. Kind of true. I have to, I have to agree with you there. <laughs> right. So one of the things we like to do on Everything Went Black is we, we love doing these Spotify playlists. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've uh, checked any of these out, but Ralph and I are really, I have. really keen on putting these things together. Yep. And so I have. Yes. we've asked you to come up with your playlist. So this is going to be in the uh, show notes. If you go to the website, the Everything Went Black Media website, the show notes for this episode, that's where we embed all of the playlists. People have asked because, uh, you know, keep in mind, not everyone finds the episode through the website, especially these days. So if you're not, if you found this just like not, by going to the website, you go to the website, you go to the website and this, and you will find all these playlists in the uh, show, in the show notes, or you can just follow me on Spotify and then you have access to all the stuff that, you know, we're putting together. So, so let's give a, a rundown on one of the, the stuff that you got. You got a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, you know, let's see, you know, obviously, I've listened to most of these bands you have on here. There is one band that I did not, I'm not aware of Silencer. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sort of the, I, I guess like the, the idea I had um, for this playlist was just, I mean, and like, let me just start off by saying, I know there's tons and tons of bands that I didn't cover, but I just wanted to stick to like five, six bands just to keep it, you know, just to kind of, open up the doors to some people that maybe don't listen to more obscure black metal bands. And I really wanted to put a focus on interesting vocal style. Okay. So, yeah. um, I mean, musically, I also think that all these bands are fantastic and I tried to pick some songs and put them in the playlist that I think showcase both, um, really talented musicianship, but also showcases the range that these vocalists have. And, I was sort of, um, you know, I, 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 as we were talking about, you know, there, there's a few metal podcasts out there and I've listened to um, quite a few different ones. And, you know, most of them, you know, outside of, you know, you guys, you and Jackie, you know, they go through the, they go through all like the typical ones that everyone expects them to go through. You know, you got your mayhems and your emperors and immortals and all this kind of stuff. And it seems though in like conversation, a lot of times, some really interesting acts just sort of get like tossed to the wayside and don't really get brought up or discussed that often in conversation. And I think that these, these bands that I'm going to mention tonight um, definitely deserve to, to be explored a bit more. And if people don't listen to them, should, should listen to them and give them a chance. And uh, so we were talking already about this. So I guess we'll can just go ahead and start off with Leviathan. Um, Leviathan, you know, it's this one-man metal band started by Jeff Whitehead out of California. Um, I think he started in 98, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, Jeff Whitehead's also done some stuff with uh, the band Twilight, and I think he's even uh, contributed some stuff to the band Sun. Um, and he also has a really interesting, more slow, kind of atmospheric project called lurker of chalice as well which you mentioned yeah um and uh and i think um i think that's a good place to start so i mean 
you 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 listen to pretty much all of their stuff. So what's your what's your take on Leviathan? I think Leviathan is uh, probably the quintessential USBM band, actually. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, yeah. uh, you know, well, maybe not chronologically, because, like, there was obviously bands like, you know, like Hemlock that was out there in the early 90s, you know, and Vaughn, you know, Vaughn right. is like an old, very, very obscure, well, not so much anymore. Everyone talks about him now. But, but I feel like um, Leviathan is like, the quintessential modern U- U.S. black metal band, because I feel like the American sound is is very related to like what you know the North American sound is def- definitely very much descended from the stuff that he's done in all of his records, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that that mixture of traditional black metal with like. And you can, you know, you hear stuff like Neurosis and you hear like Bauhaus and you hear all this other stuff in Leviathan. And I think that kind of typifies what a lot of the bands in the United States are trying to do or, or North America are trying to do. Yeah, I absolutely. And he was definitely, um, you know, ahead of the game when it comes to all that. And I think, you know, um, just, you know, speaking about his, his vocal range in, in particular, you know, I, he does, you know, everything from, you know, screaming to spoken word to like chanting and he has all kinds of different you know takes on how he processes his vocals too some of the songs have like lo-fi distortion filters on them some of them you know and and i think um i mean it's it's he's one of those artists that I, i'm definitely um like impressed by being as i'm also a one-man metal guy yeah you know the fact that he 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 does all this himself and you know unlike me also plays the drums and plays the drums very well if you ask me i mean you know maybe he's not like um some uh dave lombardo or someone like that but he's you know he's still a fantastic drummer and he, and he definitely gets gets uh, what he needs to get across with his music and and i i like the range you know so i um, I picked two songs um, off of two different albums uh, for the playlist, and they're the two albums that I think really showcase his range as far as what he's capable of doing. So one of the songs comes off of the, um, uh, I believe it's the first album, the the tenth sub level of Suicide. Yeah, and that's definitely more lo-fi. Um, you know, what people might be more. Uh, familiar with when it comes to black metal sort of that scandinavian sound when it comes to production value and then um a massive conspiracy against all life and i think that album shows great growth from the aforementioned album and has a lot more creativity in it where where a tenth sublevel of suicide is very straightforward traditional in a lot of ways it does have some uh, tangents it goes down but massive conspiracy against all life you know it has elements of synth it has elements of goth it has elements of like black metal and and it's just but it's all you know i think it's all put together very well and um and yeah i um that's that's why i i chose those two uh albums to, to showcase on the playlist because i i definitely think it 
Uh, he's got an impressive range. And and this is what this whole list is going to be about, is just, you know, these these underrated or underappreciated bands that, that have put a lot of effort into their craft and I don't think get the, the same recognition, you know, and um, uh, that, 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 that I think they should. So, yeah. What about you? What? Um, how do you feel about those two albums? There, I, I love all their all of his records, honestly. But I feel like uh, Massive Conspiracy was. I remember. I know exactly. I remember exactly where I was when I heard this record. That's that's the kind of record it is for me. I was with Dave Witte in Richmond, Virginia, driving into a mall parking lot to go to a guitar center. And he played me this record because he already had a copy of it before it came out because his um, ex was uh, really good friends with Jeff. And I, and I guess Dave met him through her and he had a copy of, the, of this record and we were listening to it while we were driving around. And I was like, man, the first thing that hit me was just the sound, like sonically how much more advanced it was and everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. But it really was like a culmination of all the demos into this one thing and this one very massive statement that he made. And the thing I've always loved about Leviathan and you know Jeff Whitehead's work in general with you know with music is that it's black metal, but there's no like it's not satanic, it's not you know pagan or anything, but it's all that stuff. And also, there's just like this existential brooding darkness to all of the music. You know, and yeah, I relate more to that than you know the overt like satanic stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree. You know, um, like albeit I I do love listening to that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to relate to it when it doesn't really. You know, it's not my world. Um, and and you know, his honesty almost is a I think a good word to describe. You know the music that he does because it's, I feel that it's very personal to him and, um, and it's relatable to me because it's, you know, it's something that I think if you get into it and you really like feel this sort of angst, the anguish and pain that, that, that Jeff's trying to portray in this music, it's something that we can all relate to, you know, on some primal level. And, and that, that to me, um, you know, really stands out as far as, um, the style of, of lyrics and, and, and music that he's trying, I think he's trying to portray. Also, the title of the record is uh, very, very close to um, the, uh, the Thomas Ligotti uh, work, The Conspiracy Against the Human Race. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's funny, like, I always was wondering if, if, um, I mean, a lot of the same emotions that you get from reading a Thomas Ligotti short story are very much in the music of Leviathan in some ways. Yeah, it's definitely got that. It has that, um, you know, that, that sort of existential, um, you know, horror that you get from Ligotti or you get from Lovecraft. Um, I definitely, and even with the artwork too, you know, on things like Horacle or, or Massive Conspiracy Against All Life, like, I think you get like, you know, it's that that unknowable horror sort of um, vibe, I guess is the best word I can come up with. Um, yeah. But you, um, you know, you know, it's a cool Leviathan record is that um, uh, silhouette of 
it's like the um instrumental the black yeah 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 i forgot the i title do uh, of it, though. i i can't remember even I, my phone's not with me at the moment but uh but yeah no, i know i know what you're talking about i know the instrumental and and um and yeah and, and just another thing too for people who are listening you know leviathan like like uh like mike had mentioned already a lot of the stuff that um that are in these quote-unquote albums and eps a lot of them are from all over the place so when you're listening to stuff and you like maybe one song has a, a certain quality to it and then another one will will have maybe a, a lesser quality to it um just know that that's because you know just been writing forever and he has you know 100 plus songs and uh a lot of these songs all get stuck together on certain compilations and uh and i think that's really interesting too that he doesn't uh you know rewrite things but he just goes ahead and, and just puts it all together you know and i think that's that's kind of neat yeah. Um, yeah that record was called so, yeah. a silhouette in splinters silhouette in splinters okay yeah yeah, yeah. that's good stuff Everything's good by them. I highly recommend this band or this, yeah, this one man metal band. Um, if you don't uh, know it, check out the playlist. I think the, there's a couple, the two songs that are featured there are a good introduction to this, and um, they're I think they're accessible and they show the range. And if you like it, you know, um, just keep on listening to it because there's some really interesting music in there, and you've got no shortage of material to listen to. So definitely, uh, definitely give it give it a chance I, I i say so um so yeah so that's leviathan jeff whitehead um the next one i was going to mention we can we can go into uh silencer sure yeah so, I, i'm th- i never heard them before yeah so silencer is this uh one one album project um <clears throat> they're from stockholm sweden <clears throat> excuse me and uh they're they wrote this album and uh, recorded this album in 2001. It's just two guys that do this uh, that do this album, um, and then they I think they have some guest musicians that come in and, and fill in all the parts. But um, what's uh, what really stands out to me about this album, and if you if you listen to it, uh, are the vocals again, and uh, these vocals borderline on unlistenable, and. I'll be completely honest here right now. The very first time I heard Silencer, I did not like it. It was very much in the same way that when I first heard King Diamond, I didn't like it either. And after being pushed by my peers to continue listening to this and and appreciate what was actually going on as a whole, the album started to grow on me and more and more so and to the point where now I like this album quite a lot. Musically, I think the album is is um, very a wide array of different styles. You've got everything from traditional black metal, you've got acoustic uh, piano, acoustic guitar, some dark synthy stuff on there, um, and the style kind of ranges all over the place. There's some more maybe like black and roll. I don't really like that term, but kind of like rock and rolly tempos mixed in with the traditional black metal and everything else but the the vocalist his name is Natram, which is a swedish folklore creature uh an ancient folklore creature and it's a it's a creature that's buried in unholy ground or a creature that commits suicide oh wow um yeah um 
and uh, it's very. This is um this band and a, a lot of these bands. Well, at least uh, three of these bands on this list are are gonna they're gonna um be in the genre of depressive suicidal black metal. I don't really care for this term too much because I don't like advocating this sort of stuff, but uh, it is what it is. This is the style of music that uh, this is the genre that the style of music has been coined. Um, and the music in, in silencer's case is very much um, the vocalist in, in silencer's case is very much trying to portray uh, the feeling of, of agony and pain. So the vocal style goes from these horrendous wails and screeches to everything from choking and vomiting noises, low gutturals, and then your typical black metal screams. And it uh, it's alleged that the singer, Nat Ram, while recording these vocals, was in the recording booth cutting himself while he was recording these vocals to... In, you know, increase his agony, put more pain on him. And there are pictures of him supposedly after he finished recording this this album. Um, but there's a lot of mystery around this band. Um, they never went on to do anything else. They never played live. This uh, album, Death Pierce Me, uh, just sort of came and went. And people in the underground scene know about it. But again, it's one of these albums that I don't think it's talked about enough. And I think it's very interesting. What did you uh, What did you take from listening to some of this? Well, I'm intrigued by it now. I mean, I I thought it was interesting, and, and it reminded me a little bit of like you know like Bethlehem. I guess is the thing I can yeah. that comes to mind, just because of the intensity of the vocal delivery on on the silence or the two silencer tracks. I, I I need to go and absorb the entire record. I think you know what I mean. But I I, I was really really. Uh, it was it was very unique and and very intriguing to me. So I'm I'm definitely gonna gonna dig into their material more. Yeah, great. I, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. That's the whole point of this. You know, I just want people to get exposed to this kind of stuff. And the two songs that I put on the playlist, in my opinion, showcase the vocal range of Matt Ram. And you get you just get the whole picture out of those two. And if you like those two, I definitely say just dive into it. it's one album. And um, you know. It's a it's a special thing, you know. You're never going to get another one. There's not going to ever be. You know, I don't. I don't even think. Um, you know, there's any. There's been any plans or talks of this ever. You know, being reunited or anything. I think it was just a project that these two guys did at a time in in their lives, and and then that's just been it from then on out. So, uh, definitely really cool. It's called Death Pierce Me by Silencer. Definitely recommend that. Definitely check that out. And uh, since you just brought it up. The next one I want to talk about is the band Bethlehem. But I want to be specific here that I want to only talk about um, the second album, Dictus Te uh, Nakare, and the 2004 EP, Alice Tote. And the reason I want to talk about just these two things is because there's a vocalist in particular. His name is Rainier Landman. And this guy much like the vocalist on Silencer, but predating the guy from Silencer by five years or more, um, is an absolute lunatic. And I think you can attest to that, right? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, he, he's a, a lot of folklore around that guy, for sure. 
and and his singing style is just absolutely unhinged. I mean, he's just <laughs> like I I you know you know when you listen you know when you see something or you or you listen to something that's just like your brain can't process it, so you just start laughing. That was my first take of Bethlehem when I first heard it. Like I wasn't laughing because I thought it was funny. I was just like I couldn't process everything that this guy was doing in a song, and uh, and I still get that way. I still get a smile on my face when I listen to to these uh, these two releases by Bethlehem. Yeah, um, and and he literally was like mentally disturbed too. Like he had like <laughs> mental like issues for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and but it, it created some really really awesome like uh, lyrical content and. You know, again, like Silencer, there's like these wails of just agony that just come out of like, you know, it seems like just the guy's screaming from his, like, really from his, his soul and pain. And he'll string like long strings of lyrics together over slow parts that, you know, it's just everything the guy does is just against the, the rules. Nothing, there's nothing off limits for, for uh, Rainier, in my opinion. I think he just, he flies by, uh, you know, the beat of a different drum. He goes by the beat of a different drum, and and uh, the the album "Dictus Te uh, Nakare" is uh, the album that I, I feature on the playlist. I've got two songs off of that album, and I again, same thing as I said before, showcases some good musicianship, but it also showcases, I think, uh, a a good example of the range that he has, and it's just uh, it's just a another one of those things that you're not going to get another one no if you if other people were to do it it would just sound it would, people would just compare it to rainier it'd be like oh that's like rainier you know and and in, and that's what makes this this vocalist in particular one of my favorites on this list um because he really is truly like unique and 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 for this style of music um his mental illness and his unhingedness, um, I don't know if that's a word, but unhinged, um, you know, lyrical style really just fits um, and makes the makes the music that would otherwise be good music, don't get me wrong, but would be more just another black metal band with this added, um, this added touch of, of his vocal style really elevates this particular album and you can hear on the later Bethlehem albums that the uh, the vocalist Oni Lar um, he he definitely tries to emulate some of the stuff that Rainier does, and it just kind of falls short. It's really you know in my opinion it falls short. Now, other people might like it, and if you do, that's great. And I think the band and as a whole is definitely worth um, people's attention. But I would really I would really uh, encourage people to go and and check out the the Dictus T. Um, uh, Nakare, and you can see that on Spotify. Then there's the 2004 EP, All This Tote, um, All This Taught, and uh, that you can only find on like YouTube and maybe uh, some other like websites. Yeah. Um, but it is it is out there, uh, but you have to do a little bit of searching to find it. But that's that's half the fun, you know, going yeah. out there and trying to find it. Yeah. So some of the I definitely later recommend stuff was, that. I, I definitely like the later stuff too. Like I think Dark Metal is a cool record. <laughs> You know, just the vocals, yeah. are, they're different, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's why I, I, I want to stress that, like, I don't think this band is bad without the presence of Rainier, but the, the presence of him definitely um, adds a different flavor to the band, for sure. So, yeah. So, 
um, and from Bethlehem, um, we'll actually go over to another band um, that actually has a tie-in to Bethlehem because on one of the songs that I uh, I feature on the playlist um, actually features Rainier. So the band is uh, Anal Nathrak. This is um, a band from Birmingham, England. I know this band on, on this list, um, along with the, the next two bands that we'll talk about, are more well-known, but I still don't think they come up in conversation very often. And I think that that's a shame because this is also a band that's just two people. And they have gone to create, in my opinion, some of the most extreme metal that's ever been created. I mean, mixing elements of grindcore and death metal and black metal and even with the vocal range ranging from just the the highest like um almost like gonna blow your speakers screams to low guttural singing to um even like singing high notes and, and sorry the, the vocalist in this band is a, a guy by the name of dave hunt and uh and his range is just impressive i mean the guy can sing very well and in every almost every single songs that they do, there there's a, a a a wide array of different vocal techniques being used in every single song, and as well as the music itself. I mean, the music uh, can be anything from industrial to grindcore to black metal to death metal, like I said, but it all blends really really well. And the the fact that it's just you know the mastermind, uh, uh, like the 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 brainchild, like just these two guys. Um, it's really impressive to me. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. And, like, one one of the best things about them is the vocals, I think. You know, Anomaly yeah. Thrack, definitely. Yeah, and, and they're, like, um, they don't sound anything like this band, but they remind me of them only in the way that all of their stuff has such a variety of, of influences. But there's, there's a, I think they're Swedish, a band called Red Harvest. I'm aware of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, a Red Harvest is not nearly as extreme as Anomaly Thrack, but they'll they'll take like death metal, uh, you know, industrial, and like post punk, and put it all together in a song, you know. And it's like, and it works, and they do it so well, and it sound it always sounds like them, you know. It's not just like, oh yeah, here's our song that where we do blast beats or whatever, you know. It's like very. Um, characteristic like they have their own characteristic yeah agreed and that's how i feel about anala thrack yeah absolutely and nothing nothing feel like it all feels like everything sits in its appropriate place yeah yeah and um so yeah um i um one of the songs so the song uh toad uh, excuse me german listeners but uh toad huet um ubel which i uh, believe translates to death herds evil uh, that song um, features Rainier Benjamin from Bethlehem on it. And I think it's just a fantastic song because Dave Hunt is also an unhinged individual when it comes to his vocal style. And the two of them together, it just works really, really well. And the song itself is is just incredible. And one of the cool things that I always liked that they did in this song was that they panned each other's vocals left, right. So when they're sharing verse duties, you can have Dave Hunt in your left ear. You have Rainier in your right ear going back and forth. So if you're listening on headphones or listening to like a surround sound situation, uh, you get that, that, that side to side panning. And uh, it just makes for a really cool experience, which I also 
um, really uh, appreciate when bands do that. When when there's you know there's mixing and then there's like putting thought into the mixing, you know. Yeah, and I really appreciate cool. when bands when bands do that. And that's a really great example of that that's on the playlist. I also picked another song um, off of uh, the Constellation of the Black Widow, which I think is where you start to get some of the singing um, mixed in with a lot of the screaming. And and I want to you know anybody who might be adverse to singing in metal don't don't mistake this for like you know something like Nevermore or or you know some power metal shit. This is not that at all. It's uh it it's it's melodic, but it definitely doesn't take away from the intensity of the music at all, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that that like I said, some, I think one of the strongest things about the band is the variety of vocals. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and I strongly urge you know and people to to listen to this band and and share this band and and I and like I hope you know, I mean. Like I said, I know this band is is more well known, and they've done a lot of festivals and and they've done touring circuits and stuff like that. But I still don't hear them mentioned uh, often enough, and I I think that they should definitely they deserve to be mentioned more often. Um, and then the next band that I I have on this list is another band that definitely is more well known, but again, I don't think it's talked about enough. Is the band Shining? Um, Shining from Halmstad, Sweden. And uh, the vocalist, uh, if people have heard of this band, then everyone's probably familiar with Nicholas Carforth. Um, he's uh, a character. Um, I think he at times likes to uh, candle some sort of like Gigi Allen-esque energy when he's live on stage. Um, but I don't believe he's as crazy as uh, Gigi Allen was, I think. Straight up, Gigi Allen was a crazy person, whereas I think Nicholas Carforth is probably a little bit more together than, than he was. <laughs> but um, but the music the the music is shining. First off, is is something that is not really brought up a lot in conversation because the music is actually quite well written, and it's not just you know your straightforward traditional black man. There's a lot of moving parts um, to Shining and and. Um, that's to do with, you know, um, a, a few good, really good songwriters in that band. Um, uh, Peter Hoos uh, being one of them, one of the guitar players. Uh, and uh, the vocals are also something that I think deserve to be discussed um, more often because where Nicholas Carforth does do your sort of angry, like, growl shouting gravelly shouting style vocals in a lot of his songs the guy also has an incredible range he can sing um he does spoken words he does do the the wails from time to time he he has um really good high screams and i think he blends things really well when when he does his vocal uh his, his vocal composition as well um what are your thoughts on shining Oh yeah, Shining are are like they they're they're kind of like the godfathers of that depressive, you know, whatever they want to call it in some ways. Right. Like they when people say the, you know, depressive black metal, like they they think of Shining. All right, what comes to mind for me at least is Shining. For sure. You know. Absolutely. And the music definitely has like this kind of somber like texture to it. And and um and again, you know, 
when we talk about this band has been around since 1996, but often doesn't get discussed when we're talking second wave, you know, black metal bands where, you know, we get a lot of, you know, get a lot of the takes and, and, and bands such like this, but not a lot gets brought up about shining. And I, and, and I think that's a, I think that's a miss on a lot of uh, these, these people who do documentaries or who do podcast episodes about, you know, that, that, that movement of black metal, because I think they have an, an impressive career. Um, and like I said, you know, if you, if you take a song like, um, uh, well, Destructivitin's Emissary, which is off of, uh, the third album, Angst, and you've got this really like teeth gnashing style of, of vocals, like screaming vocals, um, mixed in with like, you know, have some like low parts where you can just hear him like breathing heavily. And then just these like really like from the belly, just like, like yells all blended together perfectly with, with really great musicianship over top of it. You know, you've got breaks in the song that have some acoustic guitar and then it gets back into like the, the, you know, more traditional black metal style. But then you can like take another song, like which is one of the songs that I have featured on the playlist, the song Ohm, which uh, weirdly enough, uh, the lyrics are actually all written in Norwegian. It's the only Norwegian song they do, but they are a Swedish band. Um, that's not too weird. Uh, if you can speak Swedish, most people who can speak Swedish can speak and understand Norwegian and Danish. It's not odd, but it just stood out to me. But like that song in particular has a lot of singing and um, more like intricate guitars that almost harken a little bit of Isis to me because there's some tappy parts that are very tappy and airy and, and like oh. spacey. Yeah. I guess kind of I like something. Yeah. I could see that. Something like more, like more along like the waving, wavering radiant era of like ISIS. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so just a really impressive range again. Um, and often overlooked because of, and like a lot of these bands too, I didn't mention that earlier, but a lot of these bands, I think, you know, the only like, real thing that they get noticed for or, or brought up about um, is like the controversies surrounding these guys. And I mean, sure, that controversy is there, but, you know, I think often we get lost in controversy and we forget that this is still a fucking band that has like, you know, really good music. And um, I, I highly recommend Shining. It's one of my favorite uh, black metal bands. And um, I have, again, I put two songs. I put two songs off of the same album. It's uh, an album called Clago Salmer. Um, that translates to Lament Psalms. Um, and I put those two on there just because I thought it, again, showcases a good range in Nicholas Carfo's vocal style. But I don't want people to get stuck on that album. Definitely do. Uh, if you like those two songs, you can go either direction. Um, because that, that album starts off, I think that's their fourth album. So you can go back three, or you can go forward to all the way up to their 10th or whatever they're at now. And uh, and I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I think, if especially if you if you um, not just appreciate like good vocals, but if you appreciate good songwriting, you're, you're going to be in for a treat if you don't already listen to Shining. Yeah, I back all that, man. They're, they're, they're definitely a band that should be on everyone's uh listening diet you know definitely definitely well speaking right, of controversy last, <laughs> yeah 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 so last but not least and speaking of controversy and this is um this is definitely a band that doesn't need any any sort of uh promotion by any means but 
I put it on the list because I I really think that again, we we all need to sometimes practice separating the art from the artist, and and it's a shame that unfortunately this uh, individual gets uh, gets uh, glossed over often just because of the controversy surrounding him. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, that is uh, a Mr. Varg Virkinez from Burza. Um, so, Mike, I'll, I'll let you start because I, I I'd love to hear what you have to say. Well, you know, yes, uh, you know, Varg. You know, fuck it. I got, why why even go into that? Everyone knows about what his deal is. You know, like he's right. He's you know a, he was uh, you know um, convicted of murder. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, he has like extreme racist view ideologies, you know. Um, yeah, he's, he's you know a guy that has uh, reprehensible, you know, philosophies that he adheres to. Yeah, and um, but musically, his music's brilliant, you know, and it's brilliant in a way that is almost like outsider art in some ways. You know what I mean? Like he's like, uh, you know, like we take it for granted that this is what this, the music sounds like, you know, okay. Everyone's familiar. You know, it's like 20 years old, at least these earlier records. You know, you think about the early mayhem records, the Burzum record, you know, early stuff, right? you know, death crush. That was such a unique sound for the time that it came out, you know, and the idea that it really wasn't meant for other people. It was just kind of meant for this like inner circle of, you know, black metal elitists, you know, in some ways. Right. Yeah. And that there was a whole concept behind making the music in like an anti popular way. You know, it was supposed to be this immediate thing made with whatever instruments and recording equipment was around. Um, you know, they, he may, may not even, tuned his guitars the right way you know what i mean like everything was just kind of done in in the in the moment you know and i think that is a very interesting approach to making music you know um and with that said like black metal pretty much comes from varg really like what what modern black metal like if you think about we talked about leviathan you know heavy heavily influenced by burzum Every black metal band is influenced by Burzum if they like it or not, or if they admit it or not. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, um, um, Varg did something that had never been done before, you know, much in the same way that, you know, Les Paul, you know, invented the electric guitar and Jimi Hendrix and perfected the electric guitar. Varg Virkinis made a sound that existed to some extent but perfected it in an imperfect way if that makes any sense you know like you said he he literally approached this you know the writing of of the birds himself title in a in a in a way that uh, or i think it might even been philosophy too um uh, that you know had never been done no, we're not gonna we're not gonna EQ the the drums. We're not gonna tune the the you know the guitars. We're gonna play through the the crappiest microphone that we can possibly get and the crappiest amp that we possibly get, and and then and then adapt to that environment that he created, because the music didn't come out 
sounding like shit. The music comes out sounding really, really good. And he did, you know, so, so you've, you've got a, a creative mind and, you know, I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it again. I, 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 um, I suspect that Varg is on the spectrum to some extent. Okay. Um, yeah. I based, I based, I based that off of watching some of the interviews that he did for like, uh, until the light takes us. And also, uh, his YouTube channel that got taken down a while back. Um, there's something in the eyes and something in the way that he talks that gives me that impression. Um, but I don't think, I think that that lends to his creativity and I think that lends to his artistry and in the sense that his mind doesn't work in the same conventional way as anybody else, anybody else, um, going in, trying to do something like that doesn't come out with the first person album, doesn't come out with philosophy. They come out with something different. And, and like you said, I mean, his sound 100% influenced everybody, even his contemporaries. He influenced, you know, dark phone, Fenris and dark phone. Um, you know, he's, it's on record in that until the light takes us, you know, that, you know, Varg was right on with, with the sound, you know, he got the sound that everyone else was just trying to get and mayhem and all of them were, were, they were tiptoeing around it and they knew kind of what it was that they were trying to portray, but they just couldn't figure it out. And Varg did it, and he did it all by himself too, which is like also extremely impressive. And then, if you want to get into vocal style too, his vocals are, are you know all over the place as well. He has the wails, he has the singing, he has the screams, and you know one can say that you know Burzum and Bethlehem come out uh, around the same time, but I'm I would guarantee you that all of these bands that we've discussed tonight on on this list. You know, they all pay homage back to Varga Virginis and maybe some mayhem as well, but 100% Varga Virginis is the guy who planted the seed for all of the music that we all, like you said, take for granted and listen to today. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who separates, uh, you know, the, per, the artist from the art, you know what I mean? And you have to, I mean, that that's a modern thing, man. Where, where suddenly, uh, you know, you got to be this very upstanding citizen, you know, in order for people to like your music or your art or your acting or your writing or whatever. But that's that's bullshit, man. You know, I I don't fucking agree with that. You know, I think that the art is independent of the person. You know, it's a reflection of who that person is, but also it doesn't necessarily mean that you're backing or supporting this person's ideology just because you appreciate or find influence from their music. Right. I mean, a child, it's a child in a lot of ways, you know, a child can have two shitty parents, but still be a good person, you know, and it's the same with music in a sense. It's a creation that comes from the mind and it might come from the mind of a fucking lunatic, but it doesn't mean that that art is, is indicative of that of the creator because once the art like i mentioned earlier once the art is in the public domain then it no longer belongs to the the person who created it and it's for the, the consumer to interpret the music and and the art the way that they that it wants you know i mean um you know there's plenty of examples of this and we you know of course you can get into this you know, all day long and, and i and i don't feel the need to because you and i agree that we just can separate the art from the artist and i just encourage people to, to try and do the same thing. If you don't feel that that's your, that's your style, that's what you want to do, that's fine too, and I support you in that as well. But I think you're missing out. Um, 
I, I think that's like really a limiting thing when there's something so good, but you just can't bring yourself to listen to because you're worried that what other people might think of you because you listen to something. I mean, if you're, if you're confident in your beliefs and if you're confident in the way that you carry yourself, it shouldn't matter the kind of music that you listen to. Unless, of course, you're listening to the freaking like, you know, Nazi war songs or screwdriver or some shit like that. Then it's a different matter. But with this kind of stuff, I, I don't see I don't see it, you know, taking away from from your, you know, your character or, or you know, whatever, whatever sort of uh, you know, way you, you want to carry yourself, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. You know, and, and it, let's face it, you know, especially black metal, it's a, outsider music. You know, everyone wants to pretend like they're these fringe people. You know, everyone wants to embrace being like this outsider. But when they're they're faced with something that's actually on the outside, they want to run back into the, you know, into the cozy bubble of just fucking lame lameness, I guess. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, I, 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 if you're attracted to this dark stuff, it's. You should explore it, you know what I mean? And also open up discussions about it, you know what I mean? Like, what what is it that fascinates me about the, all these things? You know, and then the other thing about act, true, like, NSBM and, like, you know, racist music, it's the people who are listening to those bands, not for the quality of the music. They're listening to it because it has that message, you know what I mean? Right. You know, I've heard bands that are part of that that world, and the music's not good. It's You're listening to it because you support that ideology. You're not listening to it because they're, they're awesome. You listen to it because that's part of your, your trip, you know? Right. Exactly. And I, and I also just want to add too, if, if you haven't ever listened to Burzum, if you're, you know, if there's any younger listeners, cause I'm sure there are younger listeners to this podcast. If you haven't listened to Burzum because you're afraid of what people might think of you, I, I highly encourage you to listen to the music and make your own mind up and don't listen to what other people tell you, you know, because again, there's, there's just this, uh, you're, there's a lot of stuff out there in the world that, that you might really, really enjoy, but you may never expose yourself to it because you're concerned of what somebody else thinks about it. You know, if you're worried about what someone thinks about you, if you listen to Burson, well, just don't tell anybody you listen to Burson, but you can still like the music, you know, and, and I highly encourage people to listen to it because it is good. And 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 I wouldn't be telling, you know, Mike knows me. Mike wouldn't be list- like friends with me and, and have me on his podcast if I was racist. You know, Absolutely I, not, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, I don't condone that kind of behavior absolutely I do not and and you can people can argue because I listen to it that I am condoning it but I, I will disagree with that because I am attracted to the music Burzum exposed me to a style of music that I now play I absolutely love um, and and I and I will always hold Burzum's music like close to my heart um, because it is it is truly like in my opinion, it is the, the the truest of the true black metal, you know, sounds out there. It is the origin of of the black metal sound that everyone has expounded upon and turned into, you know, the bands that we have today, like the the Tombs and the Panzerfaust and the Behemoths, and it all started with this this sound. And and um, and I I think it deserves its due. And I think uh, you know, you know, the the world that we live in right now has has um, dethroned the music 
and and I I just can't I don't support that. I don't mind if you wanted to throw in the guy because the guy has got some like really really obtuse ideas ideals. Um, that that doesn't bother me. That's your trip, and and you can do that if you if you so beat it. But just like you don't get rid of um, you know Rosemary's Baby or uh, Picasso's art, um, I don't think you should get rid of um, albums like The Birds Themselves titled or Philosophum or Bellis. And um, with that, I also say I put uh, a couple songs on um, on the playlist. One of them is from Philosophum, and the other one is from uh, uh, the album that came out afterwards, uh, Bellis. And again, I think it showcases a, a, a wide range. And when you're listening to this music, um, just you know, remember that this was created uh, at a time when there was nothing else out there to go off of, and it was all done by one guy. And just let yourself you know, get away from what everyone tells you and just let yourself get absorbed into the music and see where it takes you. And you might find out that you actually like it a lot and you might change, you know, your opinion on the music at least. I'm not, like I said, not asking anybody to fucking start liking Varg, you know, cause I, I also think that he's a fucking, uh, mongoloid, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't think that that, that should cause people to stop listening to his music. Yeah, it's a great point you brought up about Roman Polanski and his art, you know, and, and it's like, where would you start drawing the lines? You know what I mean? Like, you know, Roman Polanski did some horrible things. You know? Yeah, right. It's like, yeah. so, okay, we have to, we can't, we can't watch Rosemary's Baby anymore, you know, or, you know, I, it, it's, they have to be two separate things. And also you have to have full range to use whatever you have at your disposal whatever resource you have to express yourself, you know, that's what modern society is all about. Not some like rep repressive, like puritanical, like bullshit, you know? Right. Yeah. If we all, if we all just start, you know, adhering to, to these, uh, you know, these strict guidelines of how we have to behave and how art should be um, portrayed, you know, everything's going to just, you know, start turning into the same you know, shade of gray. And, uh, and I think that's, I don't think that's what art's about. Art's about expression and, you know, and you've got, uh, you know, with that, you, you know, art sometimes is created by eccentric people. Eccentric people do weird things and, you know, it doesn't mean you have to agree with them, you know, like, you know, Roman Polanski. I don't agree with what he did. I don't agree with a lot of the things that people in Hollywood do, but I don't take away from the, the, like the, masterpiece movies that the guy made or, or, you know, the, um, award winning portrayals that some artist or some actor or actress, you know, portrayed in the film, you know, we have to, uh, we have to definitely, um, you know, pick and choose why we don't like something for a different reason. Not because, you know, they don't, I don't think we should be associating so much with so much, if that makes sense, you know, like just, you don't have to like a person, but you can still like the artist. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Evan, thanks a lot, man. This is great. It was great catching up with you. And, um, yeah, as usual, we always had a great conversation. Yeah, man, I, I really, I uh, really had a great time. I'm happy, uh, happy we could do this. And, uh, I, I definitely wish you the best of luck out on tour. And, um, you know, 
uh, we should definitely do this again sometime. Totally, um, man. You know, whenever, whenever we have some uh, free time that we can, you know, get back together again. So, yeah, absolutely. I thought I would definitely welcome that. And once again, we're in a weird time warp because as you listen to this, I'll be home from this tour. <laughs> and right now, <laughs> I'm leaving in a, a scant several days. I'll be embarking on this so it's kind of a weird time warp thing that we're dealing with here <laughs> well once again thanks a lot and uh thank you all for listening and i'll talk to you next week take care